Hello, and welcome to the First Baptist Hanford podcast. Our primary mission at FBH is to love God, love people, and serve the world. We hope that this weekly podcast will encourage you in your daily walk with Christ as we play for you our most recent sermon audio. Let's have a listen. We are really, we're kicking off our our Christmas season. I know some of us are still have a tryptophan hangovers uh, from this week, and you're like, what, it is Christmas season already? Yeah, I know, I'm with you. Um, but, uh, but we're launching into our Christmas season. Our series uh, is, is called Behold God uh, With Us. And as we get into it this morning, I just, I, I wanna say that I understand that as the entire world is getting into Christmas mode, and including some of you who, barely were scraping the gravy off of your plate on Thursday before going out to Black Friday sales that were actually on Thursday evening somehow, uh, that the world is just in, in, in Christmas mode, in frenzy mode. And I, I recognize, though, that as exciting as this season can be, there's also those of us in the room uh, that, that Christmas can be a difficult season. It can be a hard season uh, for those who maybe who have experienced loss, maybe those who are far from home. That's one of the reasons that I'm super excited that we get to partner with a couple of the battalions um, from, uh, from Lemoore Naval Air Station um, to be able to just love on moms and love on kids whose spouses are away and deployed and that sort of thing. And it's a difficult, it can be a difficult season. And I remember the first season, uh, the first Christmas season that we had after my dad passed away. My dad passed in August, not this year, 11 years ago, 12 years ago now, um, uh, but he passed away, and nothing about that Christmas was normal. Nothing was the same. It was actually an incredibly difficult season for us, even for my mom especially, right, losing a spouse and then having to face putting up decorations and having to face the traditions that everything that we had done, my dad was a part of those traditions and that sort of thing, so instead of of wrestling with any of that, we just said, you know what, forget it. <laughs> we went on a cruise. It was the weirdest thing to be on a boat uh, and like be in our bathing suits on Christmas morning. Like, happy birthday, Jesus. Thank you for sunshine right now. While the rest of the Central Valley is enveloped in fog and cold and all that stuff. But it was still a difficult season for us. And, and obviously, as years continue to pass by and we put in our new traditions, and we have uh, my family who's around now, and, and Sarah's family, of course, that is around, and that sort of thing. Uh, it gets easier and easier as we move through. But the holidays can be difficult, and not just if you experience or have experienced loss in your life. Maybe you're not in a great place financially. You know, maybe you're, uh, you have some marital problems that you're trying to, to work through. Maybe you have a spouse who is deployed, like I said, earlier. I don't know where you're at, but the Christmas season can be filled with both joy and pain and, of course, stress, right? And that's, that's kind of an overarching theme for all of us, regardless of where you're at. Is, man, this season can be stressful. Let me tell you about, uh, about our morning before we got here, okay? Because our morning, uh, when my whole family is trying to get anywhere, is just, it's a circus regardless, right? So, like, kids are out of bed, and I'm like, okay, put on your really nice clothes, and then the entire time that they're putting on their really nice clothes, I'm thinking, okay, this was a bad idea because they're going to have, 
you know, some sort of PBJ, toast, pancakes, something that's going to get sticky and get all over their clothes. So no, 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 don't take all your clothes back off. Eat naked at the table if you need to, right? Whatever it is. And so they get to the table, they eat, and they get dressed. And, um, you know, Sarah is, is going to be singing uh, part of, during our communion time in a little bit. And so she had to get here early for rehearsal. And then, of course, I'm teaching. We've got four-fifths of our kids are supposed to be on stage um, and the fifth one, the baby one, he got sick earlier this week, and so he's hacking up a lung, and so Sarah took the big four to get to come here, and then I stayed at home with Noah while he's coughing and hacking, and I'm reviewing my, my notes and that sort of thing, and, uh, but as Sarah was walking out the door with the big four kids, all of a sudden, number four decided it was going to be a good idea to get sick on the way out the door, Right? Like this is, we are going to be late for church. We're going to be late for, for the things that we need to be there for. And as he's walking out the door, <laughs> we just hear, Mom, Dad. We're like, what? What is going on? I'm throwing up. I'm like, okay, sorry. We will attend to this. Clorox wipe that thing. Call the dog over. Get it cleaned up, right? All those things. <laughs> so don't act like you haven't done it before. Don't act like you haven't done it before. But man, this season can be stressful, and this morning was just a microcosm of that stressful season, right? And then we get here, and we're like, oh, they're all put together, and, you know, everything must be happy-go-lucky. And behind the scenes, we're freaking out, and our, our hair's on fire, right? And that is just what this season can feel like oftentimes. Life can get chaotic. Life can get stressful, and sometimes those stresses are magnified during this season. There's just so much stuff swirling around us that at times we can lose hope and we can even start to place our trust uh, in places where we should know better. We all need something to grasp onto so that we can stay hopeful, so we can stay joyful, so we can stay faithful. And so the title of our series comes from the book of Isaiah in chapter 7, 14. So it says this, It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel or Emmanuel, depending on the high school that you went to. So, yeah, some of you took a second for that to click in. So for information's sake, what we need to know about this entire thing is that the book of Isaiah was written over 700 years before Jesus was born. So knowing that, let's go back and reread the verse then. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years before Jesus comes onto the scene, before Jesus comes onto the scene, this is what happens. This is a prophecy that happens. As a matter of fact, uh, People are, the, the, the prophecies in the book of Isaiah are so staggering, they are so significant in number, that there are a, quite a few scholars who believe that the book of Isaiah actually wasn't written 740 years before the birth of Christ. That somehow they got the dates wrong, and Isaiah was actually written after Jesus came onto the scene. That's how accurate the prophecies are back in the book of Isaiah, specifically to this one. But when we open Isaiah 7, there's a crisis going on in the kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And the Hebrew people, they're split into two different kingdoms after the death of Solomon. 
Israel to the north and Judah to the south, right? North, south, Israel, Judah. And so politically, things were just as bad as they were spiritually at the time. Assyria was the superpower. They threatened their neighbors. They were kind of bullying people. Judah's two neighbors to the north were threatening the king. And so he hired the king of Assyria to protect him. He's like, hey, look, these guys are kind of bullying me. Bigger bully, can you protect me against them? So they then sacked the temple in Jerusalem. Of all the, they took all of the vessels of gold. They took all the silver. They sent them to the king of Assyria as payment for his protection. He played the superpower, like I said, to the neighboring states. The king at the time forgot that when you give a mouse of cookie, he's going to want what? A glass of milk, right? And so as they gave him something, he wanted more, and he wanted more, and he wanted more. The national leadership then was in panic mode. They didn't know what it is they were supposed to do. So God sent a spokesman, Isaiah, to have a conversation with King Ahaz. That was his name, King Ahaz. And God's message to Ahaz and his royal cabinet is, you have nothing to fear, Trust in God. There's nothing to fear. Trust in God. Take care and be calm. Have no fear and don't be faint-hearted. God had everything under control. And so to prove God's word and to prove God's faithfulness, Isaiah told Ahaz that he was going to give him a sign. And that sign is Isaiah 7, 14. In short, what we have here was God saying, regardless of the turmoil you currently find yourself in, regardless of the madness of the times, regardless of the madness of the season, I have everything under control. And I'll prove it to you by sending my son who will keep all things under control. It's exactly what God is doing here back in the book of Isaiah. He was saying, my proof to you My proof in this crazy madness of a season that you find yourself in, my proof to you is being with you. That's my proof to you. That's my proof with all of this being under control, with me having everything under control. I'm going to show you I have it all under control by sending myself, by sending my son to be with you. That's how under control I have this, is I'm going to send somebody, my only begotten son that I love so much, I'm going to send him to be with you. And not only am I going to send him to be with you, I'm going to send him so that you can then be with me forever. That's what he's talking about here in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, a lot of people know what Emmanuel means, but many of us fail to understand how significant The idea here is that Emmanuel means God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. All of Christianity, all of it, rests upon the foundation of this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7. God meant the sign to be an earth-shaking sign, something that was abnormal. God meant it to be such a sign that when it actually was fulfilled in history that men would stand back and say, I saw God do that. That there was no way around it. The evidence was irrefutable. That God was going to enter the world. He was going to send his sign. He was going to send his son through a virgin. 
and he was going to come into the world. So people could say, I saw God doing that. Do it, do it. It is something only God could have done. It is something only God can do. The sign of Emmanuel, God with us, is the coming of the child of a virgin. God with us. That sign was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Nothing in history approaches the mystery, the beauty, the glory of God coming to be with his people. So actually a lot of you, most of you have probably heard this story fleshed out, whether it's in a kid's performance or on TV somewhere or in church every single year. But God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Mary in Matthew chapter 1, or Luke chapter 1, excuse me. And it said, Behold, behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. forever. His kingdom will never end. This is why it's such a big deal. There's only one person in history of whom it can be said that he was God incarnate. My old pastor used to say, God with a bod. I felt like that was weird, so I don't say it, except now. God incarnate. God with his people. And that's Jesus Christ. The very presence of this child, born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, cannot be applied to anyone else in history. Jesus, the Christ, is the son of the virgin and the almighty God. Amid all the shopping, amid all the the craziness, amid all the stresses of the season, we need to take a second and reflect on the reality of the story that we just heard. See, it isn't by chance that the title of this series is Behold. Because behold means to see or observe something remarkable to see or observe something remarkable this season is indeed a remarkable one regardless of where you find yourself even if you aren't currently living your best life maybe you are living your best life maybe you're like you know what this is the best my life has ever been we still get the opportunity to to pause and think about okay what what does behold mean to see or observe something remarkable This season and the meaning behind it demands that we observe a remarkable thing. You ever ever, uh, just stand back and just take in grandeur, beauty, awesomeness in some way? Think about a time in your life that that has happened to you. Where you just thought, man, how how can people not believe in a creator? How can, people, how can people observe this in some way and not believe? I regularly feel that way as I go through tunnel view in Yosemite. Not while I'm in the tunnel, once I get past the end of the tunnel. But I get out of tunnel view and we park and we go and we take the family pictures. Uh, but there was one time in particular, I was 20 years old, I was in college and I went by myself. It was, uh, I ditched class any students in the room, don't dish class. 
Um, but I ditched class because it was a morning much like we are going to see uh, in about a week after all the rain clears up because I could see the mountains from my home, right? And John Muir has a famous quote. His famous quote is, the mountains are calling and I must go. And man, I, I, the mountains were shouting at me that day, like, skip class, come hang out with us. And so I went and I drove and I went, uh, I, I drove through Tunnel View and it was January or February and I parked my car and I climbed up on top over the tunnel um, and I just sat there just admiring God's beauty. Just looking at something remarkable, taking in something amazing. And as I was sitting there, all of a sudden, the fattest snowflakes that I have ever seen in the entire world began to come down. And it wasn't like a normal snowy day in Yosemite because a lot of times when snow happens in Yosemite Valley, the, the clouds are real low and they sit inside the valley. The clouds were above the valley. And so I saw the valley in all of its grandeur with snow, fat snowflakes falling gently, deafening sound, and just God's grandeur for me to be able to see. Something remarkable for me to be able to see something I could behold. And I sat there and saw God. I encountered God. And so we get to observe a lot of things that are indeed remarkable. But this story is one of those things. Probably the most important thing, the most remarkable thing, that we observe how remarkable a prophecy is over 700 years before the Virgin Mary gave birth to a son. That we observe how remarkable it is that God sent his son to be in and among us. That we observe how remarkable it is that, that even when the craziness of our lives get us frustrated or overwhelmed, God is still God. That we can observe how remarkable our sovereign God is is that we can observe how God blesses our lives over and over and over again. You see, when we observe, we behold something. We take pause and we notice it. The rest of the world keeps going. People aren't going to slow down. The season is not going to slow down. We, though, simply get to pause and observe something remarkable. And that's what this season's about. The opportunity for us to remember Christ coming to earth for us. Like I said before, life can get chaotic and stressful. And sometimes those stresses are magnified during the Christmas season. There's so much stuff swirling around us. We all need something to grasp onto. So again, that we can stay hopeful. We can stay joyful and faithful. And God did something for us to help us to strengthen that hope, to strengthen that joy, to strengthen that faith. See, Jesus' birth is a powerful display of God's faithfulness to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring healing, and to bring life to a lost and dying world. Behold, something remarkable. Behold, God with us. As is our, uh, our tradition, 
on the first Sunday of every single month, we, we partake in communion. And so if you are someone who's helping us serve communion, you can head on back. But I would say uh, this communion, uh, I want you to think about something. I want you to behold, because oftentimes what we do is we sit and we, we take the juice and we take the cup and, and we're thankful to God and uh, we sing a couple songs and then we leave. And largely that's what we're going to do today. But I want your focus simply to, to be on something remarkable. I want your focus to be on the fact that, that God came to earth for us. He didn't come in glory. It wasn't fashionable. There wasn't like pyrotechnics going off or anything like that. He simply was born in a manger, the equivalent of our, a barn where animals stayed. And that's how God chose to send his son as a sign to us to say, hey, look, I know the world is crazy. I know things get crazy. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, ever since the fall of man, ever since sin entered into the world, my plan, the plan that I had put in place from the beginning was broken. And this is my way now to fix it, to send my son as a sign to all of you that I am with you, that I love you, and whatever burdens that you're carrying, whatever sin that you're perpetuating, whatever it is that you're going through, I am with you. Behold, God with us. And so as we take communion today, I simply want you to just dwell on that. Dwell on God sending his son. And because he sent his son, we are able to have eternal life with him forever. For those of you who aren't members of our church or aren't regulars here or anything like that, uh, our communion is open to, to anyone. You don't have to be a member here. All we would ask is that you are, uh, you, you are part of the, the household of Christ, that you've placed your faith in Christ in some way. And so what's going to happen in just a second, Kyle and Sarah are going to lead us in a song, and as that song is going on, we're going to have our ushers come forward, and they're going to distribute, they're going to pass some plates. And in those plates, uh, there's two cups that are stacked up. It's a cup of bread and a cup of juice. Make sure you grab both of them, and we'll take communion together. So hold on to them as the song is going. You can sing, you can reflect, you can do whatever it is you want to do in order to be able to commune with God and simply behold God with us. Pray with me. Father, we, uh, we're thankful for mornings like this where, man, we get to just see our kids and the love that they have. It's just unashamed. It's for everybody to see. They don't care about being perfect. They don't care about forgotten lines. They don't care about tripping on risers or anything like that. God, they're excited to just be here, to be on stage, to, to, to sing about you, to show their parents and their grandparents and aunts and uncles what they've been working on. God, just thank you for days like this where we just get to rest in the fact that we are a family who loves you, that our kids love you, and that there's an entire world out there who does not yet know your name. And so, Father, if there, if, if there are people in here now who fall into that category. 
who don't yet know you, I just, I'd invite them to pray along with me. This is a decision that they would like to make. They say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I recognize that my life is broken apart from you. I recognize the stress. I recognize the craziness. I recognize the chaos that I've gone through lost this year, God. I, I, I'm dealing with things, God, every single day that, that because of the fact that I'm a sinner, it's just making things worse. And I need you. It be that I, I believe, Father, that you did indeed send your son to earth, but God, not to just stay as a baby so that baby would grow into a man, that he would endure all the things that we endure, that he would be tempted in all the ways that we've been tempted, and that he, he went to the cross for my sake. And he died and he conquered death. And because he conquered death, I get to be with you forever. I believe that you did that for me, God. And I believe that you prophesied that all the way back 700 years before Jesus came onto the scene. God, I believe you did that. And see, Father, I choose to follow you every single day. And this isn't just for those people in the room who haven't said yes to Jesus. That's for every single person in this room. That as we wake up in the morning, that we would choose to follow you. We would choose to follow you in such a way that our neighbors would recognize that there's something different about us, that our coworkers would recognize that there's something different about us, that the world would recognize there's something different about us because of the fact that we are living for you. We are living for your son that you sent at Christmas time for us to be able to be with you forever. God, I choose to follow you in that. Father, I'm so grateful for your prophecy. I'm so grateful for your word. But most of all, God, I am grateful that in the chaos of life, you sent your son. You said, look, I know it's crazy, but I'm with you, and I got this. Trust me. Behold, I'm with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon. Music was by the band Broke for Free. And if you would like more information about our church, feel free to check out fbhanford.org. That's fbhanford.org. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.